Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for March 24th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com. This week on the podcast, we will talk about Canada and why it is burning in certain cities. (laughs) Uh, Toronto is having some head coach GM uh, squabbles in the media. Uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, Edmonton, Bob Nicholson making plenty of stupid remarks. And not to be outdone, Eugene Melnick had to get in on this headline train. So um, Toronto, Edmonton, and Ottawa all doing dumb things this week that I think deserve being talked about. And we will uh, circle back around to uh, the Penguins' current situation and how it's gotten... Uh, their playoff matchup right now looks really good. Um, hopefully it stays <laughs> that way. And um, some of the other things around the league, uh, namely the Columbus-Montreal uh, chasing down the last playoff spot. So um, <clears throat> going to start in Toronto. Uh, it's no secret to the listeners of this podcast that I think um, – Mike Babcock is an average coach who is wildly overrated. Not a very bad coach. I I want to clarify that part of it. Uh, But I just think he's another coach in the league that is susceptible to making the same errors that they all do, uh, except he got to coach some of the best rosters in the cap era, and as well as, um, obviously, his Hockey Canada work, which is where his... um, I think the aura of Mike Babcock comes from the gold medals. Um, and he's uh, he was kind of calling out Kyle Dubas for not having enough depth because of the injuries. And um, I'll, uh, I'll let you, what were your initial thoughts on that? I, it, I agree with everything you said. The thing that I find interesting with Babcock is it's sort of like a little boys had his toys taken away from him, so he's going to complain to somebody who's not his parents. I don't I don't think Dubas can really do much more with that roster. Like, it's really hard to plan for injuries in the salary cap. You can't just, like, stack your roster with players in the, in the AHL to cover you for a situation where things might go wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, Although I think it's that really, really, Toronto, much like Pittsburgh a few years ago are in better shape than most to, to, to have a guy come up and be productive. And and I will dive into why I have more Mike Babcock criticism on this topic, but go and on. that's exactly where it flows through to. It's, it's exactly where it flows through to in that he doesn't play youth, never plays youth. And it's like, You've got to, in the NHL, your bottom six forwards really should be filled with guys that you want to push into your top six. Not the prototypical market grinder guy that, you know, you might have one player like that. Not that you and I really agree with that style of of roster building. You might have one guy, but you can't have a fourth line that plays like that. And Bubcock still sits in that world. And I kind of don't blame him. I mean, it worked in Detroit. You know, where he came from with his success, that's what worked for him. So it's really hard to ask somebody that's had success doing that and then got to coach Team Canada where highly elite-level players were happy to play that style on a fourth line. 
how do you ask a guy who's had success, admittedly I don't think as much success with the rosters he's got to play uh, coach with, how do you ask him to change what he's doing? And he has the pull. And, and you, you, I, you don't because he has that pull, and that's why Dubas... Dubas is in a really shitty spot because it's pretty clear there's a there, there is a uh, philosophical divide between the two, and Dubas didn't hire him. But the 32 year old GM hire, firing Mike Babcock, I mean, the we joked about <laughs> the city's being on fire. Toronto might literally be on fire, <laughs> um, which is which is a little terrifying in itself. I don't think that would actually happen, but. Well, the, the, the point being, like, youngest GM, you, you already have certain sections of the fan base that it wouldn't matter if he was successful or not. Uh, it doesn't matter that he actually um, earned the job the old-fashioned way. I don't think many people know he started as a stick boy and worked worked his way up through the, the different uh, jobs within the, the hockey program and, and his junior uh, team. They don't care about that kind of stuff. And just firing Mike, oh, this stupid whiz kid, fucking nerd. What does he think he knows <laughs> over Mike Babcock? Like, you know that's going to happen, but I do think that Mike Babcock is not the right coach for a Kyle Dubas-built team. And it has to do with his visions on the fringes of the roster, which is what you would want an analytics-driven uh, mindset is to improve the fringes of the roster, and, and Babcock is stuck, like you said, in the antiquated. For he wants that banging, uh, heavy fourth line, and Dubas is totally fine. Like, yeah, you know, not for nothing, but like Tyler Ennis is doing a really nice job in in that yeah, fourth line no, role. No, no. And the other problem is they have Marleys that could come up. That Sandin kid. The defenseman? Yeah. Yep. Like, I think I said it last week. They're in third place in the Atlantic. That is where they are staying. Call that kid up and see if he can play. What What do you got to lose? Well, nothing but, but really. Mike Babcock like, is not the... going to play a young defenseman. He would rather play top-pairing Ron Hainsey. So, you know what I mean? And when he says, well, we need more help with depth with the roster, gee, I wonder who had more pull in Patrick Marlowe getting that contract, Mike Babcock or Kyle Dubas? Because that's the problem yeah. with Babcock, is he also has say in the roster because of the clout that he came in with. And that screams, like, that one's on you, and that contract sucks, and they can't even hope he retires because if he does, the cap hit stays. Because he's an over yeah. thirty-five player, <clears throat> he's not going to accept a trade. The only place he would probably accept a trade is San Jose, and they're not looking to add that. No, 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 no. So, <clears throat> Mike, you keep playing Hainsey on a top pairing, and you wanted Marlowe. Now you got him, and you keep playing him in a top nine role, and force feeding him minutes he can't handle anymore. Uh, maybe you could do a little bit better to maximize um, the productivity of the roster. You could go back to where Marley came from at San, in San Jose. Both Thornton's just slid down the lineup as he's gotten older. 
and his productivity is great for where they're playing him in the lineup. Like, Patrick Marlowe will play where he's told. I have absolutely no doubt about that. He seems like one of those players that isn't going to be ego-driven in regards to, I have to be in this particular spot in the lineup. Just get there and slide him down into a fourth-line role. And imagine how good he would be. Like, the, the skill he has at that level and not having to play, you know, 15 minutes a night and also um, playing usually against a bottom six collection of players. You don't really want your fourth line playing against your top six. Just think how much easier it would be for him to do the stuff that he's good at. It, it's, a, it, it's one of those things in coaching that I've always said, always put players in positions to succeed. And if they're struggling in a spot that you've got them listed in the lineup, slide them down or slide them up. Because the reverse argument's there as well. You can sometimes play skilled guys with unskilled guys, and the unskilled guys can't finish what the skilled guys create. Well, I don't think Toronto really lack any particular skill from line one to line four to the point where if you put Milo on the fourth line, they can't finish. Do you know what I mean? Well, so it didn't stop you... Andreas Janssen from finishing. He's almost got 20 goals, and Babcock buried him on the fourth line for much of the year. Yeah, well, it's a little bit like Verona last year in the playoffs. The only reason he went up is because Wilson got got suspended, and then they went, oh, well, maybe we should play Verona up the lineup. Like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes that was it takes... the best thing that happened to him, was, was yeah, Strats being absolutely. forced into playing that kid. Yeah, and, and that's the thing with, with some of these NHL coaches. They've got to this level because of their beliefs and their quite rightfully stuck beliefs in how the game should be played. They wouldn't get there if they didn't believe that. But that pig-headedness and stubbornness, that inflexibility, when you get into situations like when you're short of players because you're injured, is where you can get, get a team into a rut. And you don't need to be tracking in the direction Toronto are at this time of year. Like, they're going to be playing Boston away in Game 7 if it gets that far. Boston are awesome. They've just got Pasternak back. Like, this is... Year four of the Babcock championship run, which is basically the way Toronto looked at it. This is four years not out of the first round. Well, I can add a little bit to that. He has one playoff series win since 2012 and none since 2014. And there, there goes that. So that, if you, you know, strip away Hockey about. Canada and you just look at his NHL resume, um, I think a lot of people could have coached the 07 08 Red Wings to a Stanley Cup title. And I think a lot of people could've. could have done it in 08 09 when he didn't. Yeah, I could have. I think I could have. Absolutely. <laughs> Nick, I, go out there for 35 minutes a game. We're good. Datsy, do what you want. Like, not only, it wasn't just, oh, Nick Lidstrom. He had Datsuk and Zetterberg in the prime, Rafalski. Yeah, I know. And you talked about the fourth line. I think like guys like Abdocator were on the fourth line. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, in a lot it, of it, like, you... Detroit's problems, you know, he he set the tone for that organization, and even after he left, that tone stayed around. Where they got those guys plodding around in the AHL till they're twenty three, twenty four years old, wasting away and getting um, put packed behind pricier veterans that who aren't better like a lot of those they're, they're, grand rapids guys um the gustav nyquist 
of the world, I think had to play a long time in Grand Rapids, and now he's doing the same thing with the Marlies. And the thing with that is that, you know, it's been shown by the numbers that players peak at about 24 in this sport. So not only not only are you delaying on bringing them into the lineup because you quote-unquote have to season the players so that they're capable of playing at the NHL level, they're already past their prime. So unless you're looking at a, an elite player like a Datsuka or a Zetterberg who, who's um, declined from the peak is a slow decline, You've already missed. You've missed their peak years. You've missed like, their. It's, they're climbing towards the peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I then, mean, it's, it's and then even to... during the peak years, you have to hope that they acclimate quickly to the the new league they're playing in, as opposed to learning it on the go earlier and having a comfortable player in that twenty four to twenty six year old range. Yeah, and it's yeah, it, it's been clear on this podcast for a while. We don't like the. Uh, development process of a lot of the NHL coaches that are floating around. I'm curious to see how long it's going to take for five, you know, how long it's going to take for like five years time to see if that changes because the quality of the play in the league will shift to a more high skilled, high scoring, or at least high event style of hockey for a lot more teams. I think it's getting better. It is. No, it is. It is. I'm just curious to see when that switch Flicks, if you know what I mean, because it's not it's not there yet. And when you've got the guy that's the highest paid coach in the league, uh, sticking to his guns in regards to how he wants the team to be built, how he feels like players should be um, deployed, and like I said earlier, rightfully so, he is who he is. He's got where he's got to because of his beliefs. It makes it hard for other coaches to step away from that because general managers come in and go, well, he's the standard, do what he does, and that's just. It's the copycat league across all professional sports, not just this one. Yeah, but I it, the the Anaheim <laughs> the, the Anaheim Ducks thing, like clutch and grab shit hockey, Jagger, looking like the Michelin Man. He spins that into a large. Detroit job, which is fine, but that Detroit job very <laughs> well set up for anybody. Who, who I, I, my only point is, if he gets a head coaching job with, um, so, say when he leaves Anaheim and goes to Detroit, and, and he takes, like Columbus hires him. Are we even talking about him right now? No, but that's half the smarts. He no, no, went I, to, he makes yeah. good career choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you are correct. No, 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 the point you, you make stands. I just don't think he elevates Absolutely. past a lot of these other guys that haven't, you know, made it, so to speak, as the generation's best coach. Um, I, I think it's um, – I don't think he's doing anything special there. I don't think he's well-liked by his players. And I don't think that helps. I, I Particularly in – everybody keeps saying you – don't, You don't have to love your coach. I, I, I do understand that, but I don't – You don't have to I, hate I don't hear either. too many good things about his communication. You, I, I think that's changing in the sense that players used to play to spite their coach at points when you got to this level because the coach was such an asshole. And Babcock still has that about him. And I don't think this generation of superstar players that are coming into the league, i.e. Austin Matthews. Uh, how about that the, guy, for, for starters, who is <clears throat> the poster child for owning his career path of going to Europe? 
and then yeah. not signing an eight-year deal, giving him the flexibility to leave Toronto if he doesn't like it. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Yeah, that the is thing not is, what I'm predicting. Tonight... But the, yeah. he, he has more doors open than most star players. And if he gets sick of Babcock, guess who's leaving? Not Austin Matthews. Because that's the well, way it is now. Yeah, and that's the way it should be. But if they if they do stick to their guns and don't get rid of Babcock, or say Babcock plays out his contract and leaves, uh, Matthews has one year left on his contract with the new coach. He's not making before, it the end of the contract, the coach. Before he can decide what he wants to do. Yeah, he shouldn't, but... You know, who knows? It'd be um, it would be uh, a big power move by Dubas if he goes. That's it. You've had four years. We've had three quality teams. You've not got us out of the first round. Pick the history that you just ran. You've not got anybody out of the first round since forever. See you later. Let's get somebody and, and in. That quite frankly, you're not my hire, and we don't see eye to eye. Yeah, he's got. He's already got Sheldon Keith sitting in the wings. They they're who, paying him yeah. a lot of money for an AHL coach. I think yeah, it's they're trying seven to keep figures. Jesus might... Christ, that club's got money, hasn't it? But there's a reason. They don't want, like, that's the succession plan, um, at least on the surface. You know, I mentioned Boudreaux's name. I think he'd be an amazing fit for what kind of roster Toronto oh, has, fan, and awesome. I think he's from that area, I think. As so, a hockey fan, it would and, be great and, and to for see him that to get his Stanley Cup that's eluded him. Now, now that's a good coach. Everywhere wow, he goes, the, the success, there's a bump in the offensive yes. numbers. And and he's been in a multitude of places. He got a raw deal in Washington and Anaheim, to be honest. Yeah, no, no, I certainly agree with, with Like with Honestly, did, what, is, what did Boudreaux do worse than Mike Babcock's done since 2012? Nothing. He just doesn't have a Stanley Cup on his finger. That's literally the difference, isn't it? Do you think Bruce, Bru- Bruce Boudreau couldn't coach Hockey Canada, Team Canada, to those gold medals? <laughs> Come on. No, well, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that. But because Babcock was the one that got it, because, like you said, made a great career choice to go to a stacked team, how do you not? Yeah, but how do you leave it? Yeah, man. Because a I lot of his... You know, old school, like, look at the grinders that they have locked up. Now, you can blame that a little bit on Ken Holland, but Ken Holland course, was doing what doing what his coach wanted. I agree, yeah. I think they, uh, I don't think any of those choices in Detroit were made without Mike Babcock up till the very end. Yeah. And that's the I team was... he wanted, and he got to leave it when it went to shit. And, and, and once they're, again, and competing for the 31st place that's not going to happen um in toronto because the gm's not gonna fucking sign a bunch of shit hit like give abdul caters six year contracts or his was probably eight and give no movement clauses and shit like that because you know it doesn't make sense and um you know we you you, you talked about the fringes of the lineup. Well, got news. You got to get them right because you're looking at Boston and then Tampa. And if you don't think the fringes matter when you're up against those teams, I don't know what to tell you. What What's going to happen here is they're going to go out in the first or second round because I can't see them. 
I can't see anybody beating Tampa, to be perfectly honest. Somebody's going to, though, because that's just how the sport works. Yeah, yeah. I can't see so, it, and I won't predict so, it. So, say he gets to play against Tampa, he, he'll he get there and say, we've progressed. So that gives him another year. Do you know what I mean? Like, the he's going to have enough public support, particularly from the... Um, the media outside of Toronto, well, actually, no, all of the media in Canada who seem to refuse to want to criticise him for anything, except for the athletic, could be a reason for that. Um, it, it's, it just feels like he's going to have an out clause for him to keep his job. Like, if... if I, I would say in most cases, yeah, but I don't think, I don't think Dubis is married to him. Yeah, the difference is the difference is Dubis. It's the only thing that I, if I was a Toronto fan, I would hold hope in. If Toronto do fall short of, of you know, this team's at the start of the year, like, right, we're a chance for the cup here. If he falls short of getting into that Eastern Conference Finals, um, you know, the pitchforks and the, the torches won't be out for him. It would almost be a best-case scenario for them to be able to make that change and go full... Um full speed ahead with the coach and GM on the same page with everything. The other the other thing on top of that is Freddie Anderson was covering up a lot of holes with this team anyway. Yeah, he was uh, should, he was, should have been in the Vesna. Yeah. Probably still should be. I know he's not played well, like, really recently. I think he came back too early from injury, so they might be in trouble with that. That might be the problem. They overplayed him for sure, but who, who yeah. makes those choices? Uh, Correct. Um, yeah, the topic of what we've been talking about. <laughs> um, but, you know, even you get to this off season, and Jake Gardner's going bye-bye, and you, you still got to look at, like, that Marlowe contract. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the... That's well, Mike, the you got your guy, just, and you're bitching yeah. about the D-depth, and you, you're the one that liked Zaitsev, who sucks. Like you've got ten million locked up in shitty players right now. Yeah, I mean, look, luckily Hank will be a off the Jack Johnson-ish year. signing. Yeah, let's yeah. have one. Yeah, and it's I nuts. suppose. Um, so, yeah, I think we've eviscerated him quite sufficiently. <laughs> but yeah, that city will explode if they get knocked out in the first round. They shouldn't explode. I mean, it yeah. is a coin flip series. It could go. Um, here's what's going to happen. They're going to. Austin Matthews will have like three points in six games, and they'll bitch at him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, something yeah, yeah. Like the that. fingers will be pointed at the wrong players or the wrong people, I should say. Absolutely. Hainsy will get fucking run over by the Pasternak line. <laughs> Well, yeah, I like how you call it the Pasternak line and not the Bergeron line. <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I didn't mean to disrespect Patrice like that, but absolutely know that. But Pasternak, but Pasternak is, is uh, way more yeah. dynamically a dynamic offensive player. Like I think he puts that line way over the top because he's Correct. just a yeah. straight up finisher. Well, so yeah, is Mark he's Shen awesome for that reason. For that matter, um, so yeah, I, you know, Toronto, as I've said many times, is one of the more interesting teams for me, and I do watch them a bit. I do think they 
the roster's still plenty good to compete with pretty much anybody other than Tampa, which isn't a fair comparison because nobody can really yeah. <laughs> compete at that level right now. And um, just some of the coaching, the, the deep pairings. and Long story, I don't even know how long we've been talking about this. Mike Babcock's just another coach. He's not coaching royalty. He makes the same stupid fucking mistakes that pick a team in the league makes, you know? Yep. Yep. And um, absolutely true to go in the media and kind of, he knew what he was doing, you know? Yeah. And I don't care that Dubis is like 12 years old. He is the one that has the power to fire the coach. Like that's the thing. And he's, (laughs) you know, he's Brendan Shanahan's personal choice to run this team so he's being fully backed Mike Babcock is is probably one of the few scenarios he's not going to win a power struggle to be honest yeah so I I I would like to see another coach with a slightly different hockey philosophy coaching that team yeah that talent's really good and um it's only gonna keep getting better as Matthews uh gets older Nylander's still good the Marner thing will be interesting uh, he's really good. Be interesting to see what they do with Kapanen. I like that they got Nick Patan, kind of one of those buy low guys that was getting buried in another organization. For the same reasons we were just talking about. <laughs> but you get into an organization with like Paul Maurice, who's been there forever. All it takes is that guy not really taking to you. Well, he's not going anywhere, so now you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know. Depending on Kapanen's raise that he's going to get this summer, uh, they might move on from Kapanen because not because they want to, um, and would probably hope somebody like Patan could maybe um, fill that, not completely fill that void because Kapanen's had a nice year. But that's what happens when you're paying Zeit Seven Marlow ten million dollars is you lose the Kapanens. But fortunately, and they're the ones to, you kind of <clears throat> yeah. Fortunately, Toronto has some Marlies that are probably ready to make the leap, and the GM is going out and trying to um, buy low on some of these um, lottery ball kind of skilled players that come in cheap. So he's actually is building the depth up, Mike. (laughs) You just just don't want to use it. Yeah, so. All right, on to. um, Should we stay in Ontario? Yeah, why not? Man, Eugene Melnick, such a piece of shit. <laughs> I can't believe yes. the league hasn't stepped in and been like, all right, enough's enough. This is just ludicrous. Well, how long are they, how, they got criticized for so long for, for holding on to uh, the Arizona Coyotes without an owner, right? Can they do it again and get away with it in Canada when quite clearly... A Quebec team would would uh, you know Quebec would love to have the team. I don't yeah. think I don't think <clears throat> I don't think they'd be able to get away with that. Yeah, it depends. Um, they there are they are looking for a new arena, but Melnick being involved in that, nobody wants to work with him. So everything's being shot down right now. Um, he's. I don't know, like, 
Is there nobody? Yeah, he. I guess he would have a lot of yes men around him, so nobody is there to tell him. You know, probably not a great idea to go on radio and talk about the real fans. Yeah, no. Uh, and then you say all the you say all the bots come out. Oh my god, that's the funniest thing. Which you know, <laughs> writing a hockey buzz. I remember a certain colleague that went through that. <laughs> yeah. When uh, when Yost was uh, writing about the Senators for hockey buzz, that we had that little uh, incident with uh, all his blogs being taken down. So that was definitely something that. Was Melnick influenced? I would say. Yeah, I don't. It's a shame when an owner is just bad, because it would be hard as a general manager to do anything with conviction. It would be hard as a coach to know whether you're still gonna have a job, and then it all—it just all trickles down because he quite clearly likes to stick many fingers in the hockey ops pie. And wants to have a say. And you can't do that. You need that separation. At least when you have an unknowledgeable idiot. I wouldn't recommend someone like Lemieux doing it. And he hasn't, really. Correct. That's exactly right. And the couple of times that he said, we definitely need this person, hasn't really panned out exactly as they expected. And, you know, it was at least... Except for Crosby, they really needed him, and he's been yeah, but there. I don't think he really had much of a say in that. We really need this guy. Let, Lee, yeah. What can we do about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to move the team, so maybe he did have a lot to do with it. But then <laughs> he did he did pull back. Do you know what I mean? Like he stopped putting his his finger on the you know leaning himself on the general manager and pulled back and let the GM do what he what he needs to do. And you need that from from any owner. You need that stability, but you don't need an owner teeing off particularly about other teams and uh, especially toronto who's in a great spot i know we just spent a lot of time talking about babcock and stuff but that's a really good team your chief rival really yeah and they are kicking your ass at every turn they just went through the rebuilding thing and i can tell you this they didn't trade their austin matthews pick away for fucking matt duchene yeah now the question there with that is was that Dorian or was that Melnick? And I would suggest that Melnick was pushing for a playoff spot that they should never have been pushing for, and that's what did him in. He wanted the, he wanted the playoff Muller. That's all it was about. It was about getting the cash. He's such a sad, sad man. And You know, you, you sign up to be an organ donor. I don't think you ever want your liver to go to a guy like him, but there he is. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I you're thinking you're doing know. a great thing and it goes to that guy. Like, come on. Yeah, you, you fall off that one pretty quick. <laughs> oh, that's, um, that's quite funny. You know, I just, you know, Canada seems to be going a little cray-cray leading into the playoffs. You know, I mean... He's even quite... taking pot shots at, like, well-respected media. Uh, Ian, Ian Mendez. Yeah. I don't, I've never really seen a bad word written his way. No. And to take shots at him and... It, the the bot stuff is the best part. Because the 
the, they're recently created accounts with like a thousand numbers on the username. <laughs> All so gung ho is- about Senators hockey. Like even the best quote unquote, like a, a true authentically great fan right now for the senators would be, yeah, I'm still a fan, but what the fuck? Yeah. Like that's the ceiling of where they could be right now. Not, Hey, everything's great. Melnick's awesome. All right. Fucking senators hockey. I I know the ratios aren't the same, but he's trying to run this team on the cheap yet. He's willing to pay somebody to do that, to try and get better sentiment in the public. Like, you know what I mean? Like, balance out where your priorities are in regards to making this team work. You know, it almost, yeah, they just, you're right. The NHL needs to step in and get another owner. But I don't think anybody wants to own the team and have it in Ottawa because they don't want to have that that building out in Canada. They, yeah, they want... it's the Arizona problem, the Glendale issue. It's just too far for people. Even people that, love, like, but Ontario they, loves like hockey. Bean? So I think the new arenas are getting closer, but no one wants to work with them. Yeah. So what do you do? Do you you have the NHL organize the new building deal for the senators behind his back? I think they should step in and and kind of force a sale. Who wants to buy the team that has no guarantee they're going to get into a place where they're going to get a regular volume of fans because it's more accessible? Well, you'd be buying That's low. That's the. You should be buying low, absolutely. So that might be the that might be the You're way. You're getting to in cheaper than an expansion team. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> Imagine. So, what was the expansion team? Half the bill. I think seven hundred and fifty. Oh Jesus Christ! So three quarters. Yeah, you're not buying that Ottawa Senators team at five hundred. I think two fifty like would be that. a ceiling. Absolutely. Plus, if you're an American owner, you're buying it on what on the dollar because of the Canadian dollar? I don't know what the exchange rate is, but yes, historically speaking, the U.S. <laughs> dollar is usually worth a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I mean, you'd have to have a, an asterisk clause in there that you're not moving the team to the U.S. for X amount of years or something like that. Um, but yeah, if you're, a, if you're an, a, an American rich guy looking to uh, purchase a team that's not called the Buffalo Bills... Um, you could uh, certainly do it with the American dollar against the Canadian dollar. So we'll see. He's 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 an ass clown. We'll see what he has in store for us next. <sighs> but our our favorite Canadian city, Edmonton. <laughs> Bob Nicholson, another one of these um, hockey Canada guys. Wow, Bob, must have been really tough to pull from all that uh, talent that you have at your disposal. No salary cap. Um, they just have to be Canadian. That must have been really tough to run Team Canada. Where, and, and now, now where you is, even have the best player in the world, and you still can't figure it out. Where does the hubris come from to suddenly think that this is a good idea to go out in the media? Like, is it literally just to try and save his own ass? That's the only thing I could think of. I think they're just in a bubble, in a cocoon, where they don't hear anything objective because of the way the team is covered. Like, they they all honestly think everything is fine, and the hockey men are right, and it's everything else that's wrong. And 
every <clears throat> every city has their share of like the media that you know are going to defend guys like Nicholson and Chiarelli and, and Keith Gretzky and, and but Edmonton is second to none at it. Oh, it's amazing. They, they are streets ahead of. I think it's the volume of them that are like it. Like it, like you said, every team has a couple that uh, and they use that uh, positive nature to get access, which you know I get in, in a professional sense. I understand that, but there's it just feels like there is absolutely that, no though. correct. And every, this, there's so much of that media market that is past that line that um, it would be hard not to think that everyone outside of Edmonton is wrong <laughs> and all the guys that are covering the team because they're close to the team, they know what it's really like, are right. You think of it in a human aspect, that's correct, but, you, yeah, it's just... If you're consistently bad with the best player in the world and, you know... Uh, and and Dreisaitl uh, playing pretty awesome. Correct, which is what I was struggling to say. There's something else wrong here. <laughs> Yeah, and you know your re- interim GM has the last name of Gretzky. It's like it's t- total eye roll. Yeah, uh, whether or not the guy's qualified enough to do it, it doesn't look good in the context of you grabbed a GM that was never going to work anyway. Pretty soon, these guys' kids are going to be old enough to have jobs. <laughs> How old's Kevin Kevin Lowe's kid? <laughs> When's he going to be the GM? Jesus Christ, I hadn't even thought of that. That's <laughs> it's very, very true. But, um, so the reason we are talking Edmonton is is Bob Nicholson went off on Toby Ryder, of all people. Um, yeah, and here is a, I have the transcript. Toby I've... Ryder will not be signed by the Oilers at the end of this year. He was a player other teams wanted. He came here for one year because he wanted to play with Dreisaitl, who he plays on the German national team. He thought if he wasn't playing with Leon, he'd be playing with Connor. He'd score 15 to 16 goals. Instead of making $2 million, he'd sign a four-year deal, three and a half mil. Toby Ryder hasn't scored a goal. Toby Ryder has missed so many breakaways. Toby Ryder would have scored 10 or 12 goals. We'd probably be in the playoffs. So that's the, it's the last part of that that's the problem, that very last sentence. Well, the, <laughs> yes. I mean, the whole part is... You're, you're going. You are the team president going all in on a fringe player, and why you're missing the playoffs is totally missing the mark. Completely, just so not right. There, there are so there, there are so many sliding doors for this team to get to this point. You know, Justin Schultz going away for um, bits of a dollar, getting rid of Taylor Hall for bits of the dollar. Like you. They're here because of decisions made in previous trades, like in previous transactions. It's just, it's, uh, it's Connor McDavid that's being wasted here, and for the league's sake, in that matter. Like you said, we trashed out Toronto, but they're quite comfortably going to crush 100 points this year. They're a quality team. It's just their fringe elements are about trying to win the cup. This team's fringe elements are about just trying to make the playoffs with the best player in the world. Yeah. It's uh, to, to think that <clears throat> 10 or 12 more goals from Ryder would be the difference is just amazing. They're, 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 they, look, they're three wins out of a playoff spot. 
But there are so many teams in front of them. No, I, they're not. No, they're, no, they're not. Yeah, like, like they're not going to make it. <clears throat> they are only three wins out of a plus one. And that's where, that's where this whole three-point game stuff really skews general managers' brains. Like, they're minus 36 for goals for and against for the year. So they bleed goals comparative to what they can put up. And they're not even close. Now, if it was a 3-2-1 point system, they'd, they'd have been toast so early in the year, some people might have been able to take stock and go, all right, let's have a look at some of these, these guys that we've got in the AHL. Let's see if we can go about trying to retool this roster into a way that needs to happen. Um, I think we would get better decisions if the gap between the haves and the have-nots or the goods and the bads was a little larger about this time of year. Well, you know what else would help? Instead of having Adam Larson's three goals, maybe having Taylor Hall on the line with McDavid pushing 40 <laughs> would and that's probably a philosoph- help. That's a philosophical thing that they went, we've got to be tougher. And and so that's just that's just sheer hockey guy stupidness. So I don't really have any sympathy for them for that. Everybody knew that that was the way Chiarelli was going to try and build the team. He was going to try and build it like Boston. And he didn't have the type of players to do that. Oh, you mean Tim Thomas setting playoff records? Yeah, he, they don't have that. Yeah, but the general manager's not going to admit <clears throat> it was Thomas that made that team that was good. Great. No, I know, but the, I mean, that is what happened. Yeah. The Bruins were probably one of the weaker winning Stanley Cup teams of the cap era um, from a possession underlying numbers standpoint. But Tim Thomas was just a beast. Yeah, otherworldly. And the thing that's hard for Luongo with that is he wasn't bad in that series. Do you know what I mean? Like The, the one game, yeah, but yeah. overall pretty if you have one, If you have one bad game in seven, I reckon you, you, you should have a pretty good chance to win a Stanley Cup. And they just got Thomas. <laughs> yeah, and that happens. You, you know what I mean. You, you, you just you, you look at it in that context, and it's like there are times where you can be the better team. You just get beaten by one player having a career game or a career series. You know, look at Pittsburgh and Yaroslav Halak, Washington and Yaroslav Halak. Look what that loss did to Pittsburgh. Washington. Didn't get Halak. They got flurried that series. Oh, yeah, you might be right. uh, No, Halak did not play. Um, it wasn't the Capitals-style loss. Halak played good against Pittsburgh, but yeah, 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 their yeah, guy yeah. played... Um, yeah. oh, I still but, stand by... But congratulations to Mr. Fleury, um, new son. Oh, born Born yesterday. That? Yeah, James. Congratulations. So... That's a good thing. He's still not playing at the moment, is he? He's still um, no, I don't think so. And like you've said, it's probably not a bad thing. No, but they do need him back in the lineup before the last two games or something like that because he is injured. So that'll be interesting timing-wise for them too. Um, shit. Fuck it. Let's just transition to the Penguins because the head, the head thing on my list was, was Murray. So if we're going to talk goaltenders, why not classically go from Flurry to Murray? Um, his season, his season numbers are, either. his season numbers right now are amazing considering where they were before he came back from injury. Yeah. So I did some, um, 
a little bit of research this week. His first 11 games of the year were terrible. It was like eight in the eights for all situations. Very bad. And since then, like, it's been um, close to 930 all situations. And it, truth be told, it's probably a little bit higher based on where what he did um, last night as well. Another solid performance from him. They're not earning these points without him. No, 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 no. They're not. They're not outscoring teams. They're they're out goaltendering teams at the moment. Um, he's he's keeping them in games. He is making saves that teams are going. Why are we not? Why are we not in front? Or why have we not? Why have we not even the score or something like that? Like he's this team has some severe breakdowns in their defensive zone at times, um, and it's usually on a breakout path that goes wrong. And and then Murray's you know on his own. And people aren't saying, oh, the team hung him out to dry because he's making the goddamn save. And it's it's been incredible to to watch um, the transformation just in the one season that normally doesn't happen quite like this. Normally, you have a year like that at the start. It kind of trickles through to the year. And but... following up another uh, a poor year last year. Yeah. So, there were some you know... real concerns. Yep. Um, at the time, but I think those um, have been eradicated with his his recent stretch of plays actually better yeah, than even he just, the playoff. Runs. He just needs to just keep it together because this team, you know, does kind of require. Well, I'll say this: the team's not scoring. I don't think they're not playing well. They're yeah, they need fire. to. Um, they do, <clears throat> but they're not playing bad. The pucks aren't going in. But that's the nice thing about, you know, the the goalie thing is they probably would have lost some of these games that they were playing well in, uh, but they're, they end up eking out some points. And, yeah, some of these goals that um, are getting scored late in the third period, people are uh, – some are up in arms like, you know, that's not clutch or whatever. Um, and I, I – I, I just come from the fact that the goals then matter the same as they do at the beginning of the game. They always have. You're absolutely right. And when he's, you know, a 950 goalie within a single game and you're going to beat him up because he allowed one goal, maybe ask the question, why was one goal such a problem to give up? Yeah. Against the the Predators team, no less. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's the it's the issue you've got when you, you have a team that's that's full of players that are supposed to produce offense and they're just not at the moment. Like you said, they're playing well. The puck's just not going in unless your name is Jake Gensel. Um, and that lack of losing Geno affects this team more than it used to, which is hilarious because um, theoretically he's not as dominant as he was back in his prime. But the, the talent around him is not as good, and you you have to push Bukestad up into that second-line center role. And he, I reckon he's going to be a great third-line center, but he doesn't have the creativity to... So it's like they've got two third lines and a fifth line. I'm not a big fan of their fourth line. So Yeah, I mean, but that's fair to say about any team. Yeah, I, I know. I, this isn't, yeah, isolated to just the Penguins. This isn't a, a next man up situation no it's not replacing matt cullen with somebody else 
you don't see Mike Sullivan bitching to Jim Rutherford. Where's my depth? <laughs> Gino Malkin's yeah. out, like Super Coach does. But the the thing that is uh, amazingly great for the Penguins is that Latang is back, and that is very noticeable out on the ice. <laughs> amazingly noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good. And he, the thing about him though is he's also so much fun to watch. Like that that I think is the the thing for me uh, purely as a fan. Like I obviously want Pittsburgh to win. I watch them the most out of any team in the league. But feel very blessed that you've you've got a defenseman like Latang that can do what he does in the defensive zone and move the puck, whether it be by foot or or by an outlet pass, so quickly to players that can be creative on top of that. It's just it's just so much fun to watch. Well, which game was it this week? He scored what would have been the game winning goal. Oh crap. his own goal, but then they gave up uh, Murray had that rebound at the last second. Was it Carolina? Uh, I think so. But Carolina's yeah, a surging um, team right now. Like, really good. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff Latang creates. Now, you know, part of the Latang thing is, and it's why he was hurt in the first place, is, you know, he can spaz out, and he took that um, mouth penalty um, I think it was at the end of regulation. Yeah, he took a slashing, but then he got the gate for his mouth, and that's not helping. But you know, what am I gonna do, like motherfucker, take... and criticize him? Like the difference is night and day when he's on yeah. the ice for this team, and it gives them options moving forward, options that I don't think they're necessarily going to take. But there are options that um, they have to play around with um, with the pairings, but I don't see it happening. I think they're pretty stuck with Latang Dumoulin, which, you know, that's Fine. the go-to. you got to get Justin Schultz going. He hasn't been good. Yeah, but who do you pairing with? Because they're, it's just... <sighs> it's got to be Mata or Dumoulin. Well, the problem you have either. is... <laughs> yeah, but if you pair him with Marta, Marta's the chameleon. I would prefer to pair him with Dumoulin and do what you've suggested, which is put Marta with the tank. Um, and just see it. Yeah. But Marta's, Marta's well, we close, seen right? It. Yeah, he's been skating um, full contact. Uh, he went on the trip, didn't play. Uh, here's the thing, though. Is he? Are going <laughs> to put him back in? Yeah, well... Because um, here's your choice, Marcus Pedersen. Those are the that's the option. That's yeah, the I realistic option. I wouldn't replace Pedersen with Marta. I know who we'd both replace. Well, I, I'm talking with... a realistic yeah situation. Yeah, it's either Pedersen or Marta, and you got to choose which one because in this world that we are in, Jack Johnson is not an option to come out of the lineup. No, that's right. The obvious option is not going to be used. I don't know what to say about that. That hasn't been said already, but... I want to know what they see. It'd be one of those things where, you know how they do those reviews 10 years later and stuff like that on ESPN or whatever. I'd love to have somebody sit down and ask, what was it about Jack Johnson that everybody was saying this about him, but you guys refused to think that way about him and you went this way instead? Do you know what I mean? Like, 
I, I just I want to know what what it is that they see. I just don't get it. Yeah, we're not even talking numbers at this time because that's a lost cause. Yeah. They are what they are. I don't see anything. Um, he's The puck dies on his stick in the offensive zone. Like some of these great shifts are going on, and it gets up to him, and he can't even execute a simple scissor play with Sidney Crosby, who hides. He's, yeah. It's, it's like a play-action pass in football. He's, he will hide his intention till the very last second of the scissor play, so you don't know if Sid's going to keep it or give it away, which creates a little bit of uh, guessing for the D, which should create time and space. But he can't even execute those plays with the best fucking player on his team. And I know that's nitpicking at one little sequence, but that's why that they all add up. That's why he sucks, because he can't do those things. And he was supposed to be able to do those things. Yeah, the thing it's it's funny. Like, you know, we obviously trashed out the good Branson trade, but he can at least make a first pass. I get I why. I've seen one thing that I was like, "Wow, that was really bad." Yeah, and and uh, see, here's it's... the here's the beautiful part about the way I, I I can only speak for me, but doing the podcast with you as long as we have, I think we're kind of on the same page. A little bit. Um, <laughs> The thing with criticizing um, using the 500-game evidence that we had on Good Branson uh, is that when you have new evidence and it gets larger and larger and it's all been pretty good, you can then say the player's playing good. Whereas Surprising. Johnson That's still does not have any evidence of being good, and you can continue to say he sucks. See, when you use fact-based analysis, you get to just follow the facts. You don't have to make anything up. The, the thing for, for both you and – well, it's one of those things where when Tanner Pearson rocked up to Pittsburgh, he had a bit of a burst, one, getting out from under LA, two, obviously getting to play with Jenner for a bit, and it looked like, yeah, this is a trade that, that's going to work. Now, that could be the effect that Good Branson's having. Now, if this holds for the rest of the year, great, but the Pearson thing barely lasted 15 games before he went back to – probably one of the reasons why LA was willing to, to give him up and why he, he, he'd left. I mean, you, you look at the trades that have been done so far this year, Jared McCann feels like the Pascal Dupuis of the Hosa trade. Like, Hosa left, so you never. it's always going to be one of those what-ifs. But Dupuis was more than serviceable in the role that he was given playing with Crosby over the years and really contributed to that 2009 Cup winning team and the the, the fourth, years fourth liner, po- yeah. Post Crazy enough, post that, and you you sit there and that's sort of where Jared McCann sits for me in amongst all of this. Like it felt like Bukestad was the centerpiece of the trade, like he was the piece they wanted to bring in, obviously to to replace what Brassard wasn't providing, and McCann's been the more impressive of the of the two players thus far. So it. I've liked we Bukestad very... in his recent stretch. He's not getting rewarded, but he's making some strong strong plays. Um, so McCann obviously scored twice last night, game winner shorthanded. So I really yeah. like um, McCann is the type of great depth player, the the kind that you want. At least the Brian Swiss Rush. Army knife, put him wherever in the lineup. And um, it allows – he's the guy that will allow flexibility when you create your lines. 
If another guy is kind of down, can McCann jump up and play with Sid? Yeah. Well, see, that's if the you thing. need Brian Rust to play up there, can you bump McCann down and, and have him be on that third line with Hornquist and Bugstad and do fine? Yes. Can that's he kill a... penalties? Yes. They've got three players that are like that. Rust, Simone, and McCann can all float up and down the lineup to give you that flexibility if somebody's just a little bit off. And I make the argument that maybe Teddy Bluger could be that next year as well. So that's maybe that's we'll four see guys. See his sample grow a little bit, but yeah, correct. In so theory. so I, yeah, I'm not particularly saying that's the case this year, but they're going to have that flexibility with the cheap guys around the fringes of the roster that you kind of need to do the job. Now, where Pittsburgh probably needed to be better was doing something better with their back six, and they're kind of hamstrung on that. So, got to give. Rutherford credit where credit's due. He has provided his coach with flexibility for in-game roster changes, which is which is probably all you can ask for uh, as a coach. Really, doesn't mean obviously the criticisms we've laid on Rutherford earlier aren't valid. They are, um, but there have definitely been some good things that he's, he's done. He's an up and down GM. There's going to be times to, but to like all give him them. kudos, and there's going to be time to criticize. Just feel like he's bad. Is so bad though. Like, it's the Fleury thing. He's the Fleury of GMs. He's good, he's really good, and then he's bad, he's just disgracefully terrible at times, and and that averages you out to be an okay GM, but it really handcuffs yourself for trying to fix a hole that he created on his own back, really. So it's just a little a little baffling. Now, yeah, do you... But, uh... Sorry, yeah. I was going to say, no. I've got uh, limited time now, so do you want to flip to Columbus or you, anything else with Pittsburgh? Oh, I didn't see your... Okay, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have my uh, screen in front of me. My bad. Um, yeah, I don't have too much more on Pittsburgh. We're kind of in a status quo with this where keep getting the points, stay in that two and three second or third place in the metro and hope the islanders stay in second or third place in the metro because that is the best case scenario of any um matchup if you ask tampa and you got them to sit down and ask them who they want to play first i think they would say the islanders out of all of the potential playoff teams even you wouldn't i don't think you'd want to play montreal with the risk of of carry price you know stonewalling with grice and um lanner playing great this year i still would i just don't think the islanders are all that good and their shooting percentage has not stayed and ryan lambert had tweeted out uh, the last 25 or so games they got like nine wins in regulation yeah and look to be honest you just don't want to play carolina i i no, don't know want... not with Stallback. no their possession is amazing and they're finally getting some goaltending and they're 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 rolling, basically. Like, they're coming into the playoffs like you would want to. I mean, Tampa Bay is coming into the playoffs like they have all year. Dominant. Um, it's the Columbus team that's the interesting one. Yeah. And <laughs> tonight they play in Vancouver. Montreal plays... Shit, I don't know. But they're playing. Um, Carolina. Today. They play Carolina. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Both on a back-to-back. So we'll they, see. And, and Columbus lost to Edmonton. Like, if there are four points you should pick up, it's Edmonton-Vancouver, right? Now, they should be 86 points looking to win. They lost to Edmonton like two weeks ago. Yeah, and this is this is the thing. You look at those games and they should be winning them. They should still be in one of those wildcard spots. 
Like they're yeah, just they're trending not, they're their own three way. points out right now. And I give Kicker Wynan credit for doing what he did. He kept these two superstars that are definitely going to leave and and bought in, and it's just gone to shit. And it's like, you poor bastard. Well, you know. I mean, it happens. It is happening. <laughs> yeah. So if if Montreal wins and Columbus loses tonight, that's five points. You're pretty much fucked. Now, now Montreal has a tougher uh, to schedule to close it out. And the teams, I believe, do play each other. So there's that. But Robosky's um... injured. Like he's probably going to play tonight, but he's not going to be 100. percent Like this is this is the thing. It's uh, you know they got Kincaid to come in to obviously try and rest Bob through to the end, but you can't now. He has to play every game of the last eight games they've got. I, I can't see them making it without him having like a 9.35 save percentage. It just it's just sort of how it sucks so, for him. Pittsburgh, you know, you thought that it was going to be another Columbus-Pittsburgh thing a month ago, but not looking to be the case. Columbus is uh, be really something if they missed out. Well, I, cause... I don't know historically, if I'm a Penguins fan, if I want a New York Islanders-Penguins game seven in Pittsburgh. Yeah, fuck that. Because I just don't. <laughs> It's got to get to seven games. Yeah, but I, historically, I'd prefer Pittsburgh to be the second seed in that in that in, in that series and to have Game Seven in, well, in they're, Ohio. They're tracking favorably towards that. Yeah, and truth be told, although Washington is winning today as we are talking, um, you know, even the division isn't locked up for Washington yet. So the Metro think- is pretty. Pretty tight. I like seeing Carolina in there. Um, I would feel bad for Blue Jacket fans if they miss, but I really don't care if they miss. No, and I I wouldn't ask for Carolina to get fired. I think he did everything he could to have this team win, and it's just fallen apart. Like, you know, he threw the dice down. He got snake eyes. It's just it's just unfortunate for him. But the thing for Pittsburgh is that I think. Their their last section, like their last four or five games, aren't aren't too bad. Correct, are all games that really they should win. Now I could understand if they go, we're in. They rest. I think four of them are Rangers and Detroit, right? Correct, that's right. So I could understand if they if they rest Murray for those games, but if they've got half a shot at getting first in the division because other teams have had tougher schedules and have, have lost a couple, I think they'd be crazy not to go for it. You run the risk of Murray uh, wearing down for the the playoffs, and, and that's always the balancing act you've got. So it's a tough call on the the coaching staff and on the fitness staff to just try and work out where this I team don't know, is. Though. That might get you ready. Carolina. Oh shit! Yeah, okay. Oh, you I, don't, think I think it's best to stay at two. You don't win and, or and lose. And hope the to... Islanders stay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I just pray that Carolina doesn't pass you and. Because they could do that. Like, they're playing that well. There are enough games left for Carolina to to pass the Islanders in Pittsburgh. And then you're playing Carolina uh, away. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. I better get going. All right. Just we're having to stick to this hour. Freaking rule hard. Um, you know where to find us. We, um, 
we'll be back next week. See you later, guys.